Hi, I'm Linda Calabresi. I'm a GP and the medical editor of HealthEd. Welcome to our unique podcast series now available direct to your device. The series features some of Australia's leading clinical experts talking on topics that are both practical and important to Australian GPs. Hello, I'm Dr. Greg Katsalotis, a respiratory sleep and allergy physician based in Sydney. Today, we're going to cover one of the latest developments in the management of airways disease, and that is triple therapy. For some people, that may be triple the confusion, and I'm hoping to cover the, the benefits, but also the pitfalls of triple therapy today, so it's used more effectively in clinical practice. So we're going to very quickly touch on what am I treating? Because unless we know what we're treating, prescribing becomes very difficult. We're going to look at the drug options, the classes, the combinations, and the new devices. Of course, there's always new devices out there. We're going to look at the goals of airways treatment. And unless we know what we're treating and what our goals are, we don't get the best results. There's going to be a chorus we're going to sing from today, and I apologize for the repetition, but it really is to bring home this one take-home message slide today. We're going to look at two asthma cases that show when to use and when not to use triple therapy, and the same with COPD, and finally touch on a few potential problems. So let's start. What am I treating? I'm not going to discuss the diagnosis of asthma or COPD because I know this has been covered before. But we really need to know whether the patient has asthma, COPD, both, or something else to get more effective treatment prescribed. In terms of the long-acting drugs, there are three main classes, as you know. The inhaled corticosteroid, which is the cornerstone of asthma therapy. The long-acting beta agonist, the LABAs, and the long-acting muscarinic antagonist, the LAMAs. And beware, some of these drugs last 12 hours, others last 24. So that influences what we write on the script. And someone on a 24-hour acting agent should not be taking it twice a day or three times a day, like a SMART approach, for example. So this simple slide summarizes a lot, I believe. You could take this as a take-home message today. If you have asthma, you start on the far right-hand side with inhaled corticosteroid. And if the asthma is uncontrolled despite adequate ICS therapy, you then add in the LABA. And then with you know, more problems with the asthma, despite ICS LABA therapy, you add in the LAMA. But if the person has COPD, you start from the other end. You start with the LAMA or the LABA and add on the, the other agent as disease control becomes worse. And the last step in COPD is to add in the ICS. And that is why I said at the beginning, you need to know what you're treating. This wonderful slide from the National Asthma Council summarizes, I think, what a lot of us feel, that there's a lot of confusion and complexity out there. And we've got the different companies telling us that our inhaler is better because, and it, sometimes I joke with the patients that, do you prefer Burger King, McDonald's or Hungry Jack's? Because they're all burgers. And um, it's important, I think, to make this simple and I can hear some people laughing, but perhaps it's better to start with, you know, what sort of device do you want your patient to use? Is it an MDI device? Is it a powdered device? Is it an aerosol? Is it a once daily or is it twice daily? If you know what device suits your patient, you can then look at, you know, what type of treatment you can prescribe and that will simplify things for you.
So what are the combinations? Well, there's the monotherapy, you know, this, the sole ICS or the sole LABA or the LAMA. And then we have the dual agents, which might be ICS-LABA, LAMA-LABA combinations. And finally, we have triple therapy, which is what we're going to discuss today. The ICS-LAMA-LABA. And you can prescribe triple therapy in different ways. You could have one, two, or three inhalers. But beware when you've got multiple inhalers with different devices and different techniques, the, the greater the complexity, the greater the chance that there's going to be patient error and the drug not getting in. And always remember the stuff that you didn't prescribe, the stuff that's in the medication cabinet at home, the previous ICS labs they've got at home, you know, the, the Ventolin supply, the prednisone supply that was prescribed years ago, the leftover tablets, because on a rainy day, when there's an exacerbation, when the weather's changed and they've got symptoms, they open up that drawer and take all that as well. And that is one of the risks. And don't forget what I call vitamin P, cheekily, prednisone. And cheekily has been called Satan's Tic Tacs here. Because when you do your script for prednisone, it often says 30, with, you can do five repeats. And we think of it like a harmless drug. Yeah, it gets rid of the cough or improves the asthma or the COPD, makes them feel better. But in the long term, we're causing a lot of damage and we really need to get that prednisone calculator out. Calculate the cumulative oral steroid, the lifetime oral steroid consumption of that patient. So if you think of a standard course of steroids for an asthma or COPD exacerbation, you know, 50, 50, 25, 25, many people are taking 200 milligrams or more just in one course. And some people go on for weeks with a prednisone course, which I think is excessive. But if you think of the fact that if you've had one gram of steroids in your lifetime, you've set them up for complications like diabetes, osteoporosis, and many other things you know about. So I, I met a young lady last week who had taken five courses of oral steroids for her asthma in the last year. When we calculated she'd had a thousand milligrams just the last year alone, she was horrified to think what her future could look like. So don't forget prednisone. It's there in the cabinet, they're taking it and they're not telling you or me. What are the goals of airways management? Well, regardless of whether you, somebody has asthma or COPD, these are the goals. Number one is to relieve symptoms. That is why they see you and me. They don't want to be breathless anymore or cough or wheeze, especially in the current climate. It's not fashionable to have phlegm. Number two, avoid future risk. And this is something the patients may not be aware of, but it's our duty to prevent exacerbations. And exacerbation is not just a cold they're going to get over until next time. They are poor prognostic events, like a heart attack, to be avoided in future. The more they exacerbate, the more they're likely to lose lung function in the future. By avoiding future risk or reducing it, we prevent deaths. And we still have about 400 deaths from asthma every year. And also we reduce the risk of permanent airways obstruction, you know, ending up like a COPD lung for a chronic asthmatic. One of the other goals is to maximise lung function. And if we don't check it from time to time, we just don't know where that's going. And finally, we want to minimise the side effects of treatment, including prednisone. So what is good control? 
whether somebody's got asthma or COPD, is to have few or no symptoms on a daily basis. They should not be on their Ventolin regularly on a daily basis. To prevent exacerbations, so no or very few exacerbations, and to maximise their lung function as established by spirometry. So let's go to our first case with COPD. 65-year-old lady who's an ex-smoker, ex-heavy smoker of 100 pack years. She's currently on dual therapy with a Lama Laba agent. And despite this, she's had two exacerbations in the last year requiring courses of oral steroids. So maybe she's had 500 milligrams already. One was from a respiratory infection and the other one was you know, the weather. Her blood ES in full count is 0.3. And as you can see, with an FEV1 of 45%, she has quite severe airways obstruction with no change bronchodilator. So here comes the chorus. Do we jump straight to the prescription and, you know, step up treatment? I hope not. Because when things don't go to plan, we need to stop and think. And this is what goes through my mind. This is the song that plays in my mind with every airways patient that I'm reviewing. If they're still symptomatic, it's important to check what, is there another diagnosis? You know, is something else causing the symptoms? Yes, they've got asthma, but perhaps they've also got reflux. And a lot of my older patients have four or five diagnoses that are being managed in one visit. So asthmatics also get heart disease. COPD patients also get heart disease. So the unexplained breathlessness could be from something else. So it's important just to stop for a moment and look at the whole picture again. Is the drug you prescribe getting in? Are they taking it? The truth is many of the patients don't take the drugs we prescribe regularly. And we can talk about ways to check on compliance. It is a tricky one. They may be taking it every day, but it's not getting in. Check their technique or get a nurse or pharmacist to check what they're doing. Are they taking in the doses prescribed and have they taken it for long enough? They may be reasons for treatment failures. There's nothing wrong with the treatment, but it's just not getting in. Consider the PBS criteria for triple therapy. There are set criteria on who can be stepped up and who cannot. Beware polypharmacy, you know, that medication cabinet opening up at home and the, the excess drugs. So they're taking two ICSs or two LABAs and LAMAs and, you know, it just gets very messy. So we need to, they need to know when you start this drug, you must stop drugs X, Y and Z. And this is very much a shared decision making situation with the patient. When you're going to change treatment, simplified or whatever you're going to do, it's important that the patient's involved with the decision so they, you know, they're, they're happy with what's being done and are more likely to comply. And if you're going to change it again, involve them in the decision. I'm sure you do that already. And finally, look out for the legal drug use. And I'm referring, of course, to prednisone being self-administered on a rainy day. So going back to case one, they have poor lung function, severe airways obstruction. They're exacerbating. Uh, they're compliant and there's no alternate diagnosis. That is where you would step up. So they're on Alama Laba, you then add in the inhaled corticosteroid. And the option is to stick to the one they're on, the Lama Laba, and add the ICS as a monotherapy. Uh, and that may work for the patient if they're happy with that, shared decision making. Or they may elect to have it all in one inhaler. Okay, triple therapy in one device. And for many people, that is more convenient. It saves them money. They're not picking up two inhalers every month. Um, but it just depends on the patient. And, you know, I can't stand here today and say 
everybody must be switched to triple therapy in one device. Do what works for your patient. So case two, 70-year-old male with COPD, again, uh, ex-heavy smoker. He's on Alama twice daily and Alaba once daily. He's also had two exacerbations in the last year which are non-infective and he's got ongoing symptoms. He's still short of breath. He's still coughing, he's wheezing, despite the above treatment. What do we do? Well, here comes that chorus again. All these things to go through our mind. I'm not going to repeat. Consider the COPD criteria, the PBS criteria, for stepping up. And triple therapy is indicated in COPD patients with further exacerbations on lama-lava combinations. But you need to be sure, of course, the drugs have been used and are getting in. So in this case, it was decided to switch the patient to a once daily for better compliance and cost and better control was achieved. But it's very important when you make a change to review a few weeks later to make sure those goals have been achieved. Let's turn our attention to asthma now. So we're going to consider when to step up to triple therapy in asthma. And of course, when you have asthma, you do not start with a Lama Laba or a Laba alone. It's always an ICS and then maybe an ICS Laba. So we're talking about stepping up to a Lama being added in for asthma, of course. And the big question with asthma when somebody's not right is, do you add, increase the inhaled steroid or do you add in a Lama? And we're going to talk a bit about that. Of course, whenever you're going to be um, stepping down treatment in particular, always have an asthma plan. We'll always have an asthma plan anyway, but especially when you're going to down titrate treatment so the patient knows what they can do if they flare with a reduction in medication. Case one. So we've got a 25-year-old female who's had asthma from childhood. She's atopic with allergic rhinoconjunctivitis. She's got you know, lung function that's a bit below normal, an FEV1 of 70%. And alarmingly, she's been to hospital recently with an exacerbation needing oral steroids. So when I saw her, she'd had a pheno checked, which is a measure of airway inflammation, and that was elevated at 55. And that's probably something you can't do, but you do have eosinophil counts and lots of them in your records. And she had a high eosinophil count of 0.5. And currently her FEV1 is reduced at 50%. And this is her current treatment. She's on serotide, you know, MDI 250-25, two puffs twice daily via spacer. So the big question we're faced with now is, well, what do we do? Do we increase the serotide more? I'm not sure if you can, but I've definitely seen excessive doses of serotide out there. She's currently on the maximum dose. Or do we add a llama in? Well, here comes the same chorus playing again. We need to first think we haven't missed something. Check for alternate diagnosis, check compliance, check device, all those things. Beware polypharmacy. Sit down with the patient and review. Well, in this case, we did neither of those things because on review of compliance, checking her My Health record, we saw that she only picked up one ICS LABA script in the last four months. Okay, and you can further question as well to see, you know, how many times a week would you take your serotide, things like that. So the answer there was not to step up to add another drug, but was to educate and to improve compliance, to remind her to use that spacer that she wasn't using. Or if compliance was an issue that twice daily just doesn't work for her, 
or it may be more convenient to switch that patient to a once daily so they're more likely to get the drugs in. So an example of where you wouldn't go to triple therapy. So in this case, the pheno was high because of poor compliance, and that's one of the causes of a high pheno. If she was compliant with therapy and the pheno was high, we would then think that she had uncontrolled airways inflammation despite quite good ICS therapy, and she may be a candidate for more you know, severe asthma treatment like a biologic. But poor compliance was the main issue here, and um, we need to be on the lookout for it because it's incredibly common in today's society. And education was the treatment here. With case two, we've got a 30-year-old asthmatic, from, asthma from childhood, non-smoker, again atopic, usually on Simbicor, Terbihaler 206, two puffs two to three times a day, so doing a smart approach. Uh, when the asthma flares, and alarmingly also had a recent exacerbation needing oral steroids. Eosinophil count was also elevated at 0.5, so 0.3 or more is enough to start thinking about eosinophilic disease, by the way, and they're all in the normal range, aren't they? And pheno was, you know, borderline high at 25. There was significant epiclo variability noted. The ACQ5 score was two, which that indicates a high asthma symptom burden. So this person is symptomatic despite you know, reasonable doses of an ICS LABA. And lung function is also reduced. And when you're 30 years old and you've got reduced lung function, that is a concern. I mean, anyone with reduced lung function you know, is a concern. But when you think with age, lung function drops. So if you're gonna start at 65% at the age of 30, where are they gonna be when they're 40 or 50? So that is a factor that I do think about. So in case two, would you increase the ICS LABA? Would you add an alarma or do something else? Well, as you expected, that same chorus plays again. But it is really important to avoid making mistakes. And in this case, we decided to add the LAMA in and we added in spirivaresp But there would be an argument if the patient found the devices complex and the dosing schedule difficult to switch them to one device once daily, for example, or a one device twice daily. That depends on patient preferences, and I can't stand here today and tell you that all patients must be given this drug. But I do believe in simplifying treatment for patients, because when you do simplify treatment, it improves compliance, and that way you get better asthma control. So even though the studies may show, you know, these two drugs are equivalent, but in studies it's so rigorously controlled and compliance is almost enforced. In the real world, you need to think about your own patient's uh, pattern of behaviours and what's going to work for them. And don't forget the cost saving. You know, sometimes paying for one drug every month is, is you know, paying for two gets costly. So, you know, uh, one will be a lot cheaper for them. So in conclusion, as I indicated from the beginning, it's really important to know what we're treating. We don't treat symptoms we treat diseases, we treat asthma, we treat COPD, or they may have overlap. Because it also is important when you're prescribing under the PBS to know which condition you're treating. We outlined what triple therapy is, uh, and to make the, the, the point here that most COPD and asthma patients do not need triple therapy. They can be very well managed on one or two drugs if they're getting in and that is the issue. 
Triple therapy is for when two drugs uh, are not enough. And of course, the chorus at the end that I won't repeat, but I hope you will remember. Thank you very much for your time today. I'm very happy to answer any questions. If anybody has, feel free to message me. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. We hope you are enjoying this series and will recommend it to your friends and colleagues. I'm Linda Calabresi, and on behalf of the team here at HealthEd, I look forward to joining you soon for our next podcast. If you enjoyed this audio segment, you can find out more about our free webcast lectures, which can be accessed from any device on our website at healthed.com.au. The podcasts published on this page are for medical professionals only. The content is not a substitute for medical advice. If you have a health issue, you should seek the advice of a suitable qualified health professional.